Want to hear more? Follow us on Instagram at Sluts and Scholars, on Twitter at Sluts Scholars, or check out slutsandscholars.com. Welcome back to another week of Sluts and Scholars, where we talk smart and fuck smarter. I'm Nicoletta. And I'm Simone. And this week, we are joined by Dr. Chris Donahue, who can barely contain himself right now from our tagline. Uh, You might know him. He's an international lecturer, therapist, and educator. Dr. Donahue is the director of clinical education for the Sexual Health Alliance. He's host of the Loveline podcast with Amber Rose. He's a weekly expert on the Amber Rose show and is a frequent co-host on The Doctor's TV Show. He previously hosted WE, We, Women's Entertainment, right? TV's Sex Box and Logo TV's Bad Sex. He's published in a bajillion journals. Today Show, Vice, <laughs> CNN, blah, blah, blah. So much, New York Times, Daily Beast, Men's Health, Cosmo. No, you love it. His Keep work, going. Uh, Dr. Donahue practices general psychology and specializes in individual and couple sex relational, relational and marital therapy focusing on diverse individuals, all gender expressions, sexual orientations, and kink, BDSM, and poly issues. we got to cut that down. <laughs> that was already cut down. Yeah. Which is so impressive. And author, so and author of the book, Sex Outside the Lines. Yes, buy it. Um, so, so much. I know, where should we even start? What do you want us to call you? Chris. Chris, not, <coughs> so, doc, not Dr. Chris. Donahue. I Chris do like a fine. good title. Or you could call me Dr. Chris. Dr. Chris. Um, so oh, what's this box you have here? Yeah, let's unpack this bad boy. So right Wait, now- what is it? Well, it's a box of sex toys, but it's um, Tenga, who I'm the brand ambassador for, and Tenga is a sex product line. But the reason why I work with them, and I and I mean this in all authenticity, this is not just some like you know pro Tenga <laughs> byline. Um, we'll never know. They have an awesome social justice mission, and their whole goal is about elevating and changing the conversation around masturbation and getting people to have more confidence in the use of sex toys. And they I think that that aligns very closely with what we do Well, here. they also put their money where their mouth is and have done a recent research where their thing mouths. about... Yes, they did the... <laughs> masturbation practices. <laughs> boom, 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 boom. They did the largest study on masturbation in the world. Oh, wow. And they sent it to me, but I would love to hear from you, like if you remember any of the findings that stood out. <laughs> You're like, can you please cite the most important findings of this? Because I didn't it's read it It's a very fully. small document. Bad scholar. <laughs> I'm just going to look this up right now. Uh, basically, they were looking at attitudes towards masculinity and maleness mm-hmm. and um, just looking at what they called the feel more man. And that's kind of their goal, which is guys that, feel more and are more emotionally expressive, are guys that are more sex positive, guys that masturbate more, and that they have really positive outcomes in terms of their relational health, their general overall biological health, and also their capacities to be successful at work. And is it only toys for men? So their their product line is mainly male-based sexual health and pleasure aids, but they also have some female-based People based with ones. penises. Yes, penis So owners. it's penis, penis, penis toys. It's penis toys. Not enough penis toys. Generally. Well, there's a lot, but what's, are there? There's a lot. I guess I just don't pay attention <laughs> to them. <laughs> what That's makes what them? It is. But what makes them better is that they're not anatomical looking, and they're not trying to threaten or replace or even um, try to take away from anything sexually. They want to be kind of non-threatening, and so they all have like a really beautiful like they're good architectural good aesthetic. wing persons. They're a good wing person. 
I like that, actually. Yeah, I think be, I stole that from somebody else. Yeah, you did. We shtick. talked about that back on our episode with Sunny Megatron. Yes. Oh, yeah, I just did their podcast. Was she in town or was it like a radio? Uh, Sunny Megatron was one of our episodes like a year ago. Oh, right on. Yes. Mm-hmm. So what's the one you're holding? Yeah, so tell oh. us what's in this box, Dr. So, Chris. let's focus on my absolute favorite. It's called the egg. It the looks like an egg. egg. They, we used to sell those at, at my college. Dude, these things are a game changer. So if you haven't seen a tank egg, if you buy a computer, look it up. But it literally just looks like a larger, oversized, not free-range organic egg. It just looks like an extra, (laughs) it looks like a jumbo egg. Well, when you pop it open, it's one of those, remember Easter time, and they have those plastic eggs that they put like a quarter or some candy in? What do you mean, remember Easter time? You think I didn't do this with my Easter this year? I've never done an (laughs) Easter time. It's been a long time for me. For me, it's like years ago. I just do juice stuff. But there's like a little doodad in there. It's a rubber thing. And you can work it over just like the head of the penis or it stretches down over the entire shaft. And it's one use. It's a sleeve. It's a sleeve. It says easy An evolved egg. sleeve. And the, I believe the patterns on the outside of the egg show what's inside of the sleeve. You believe Is correct. That right? you I believe, believe correct. correct. So this egg that I'm looking at has lots of little circles on it. So yeah. that means like a little textured like kind of suckers, kind of correct. like a, like mm-hmm. a tentacle. Yeah, and because, Ooh, yes. and because a lot of penis owners are lazy, you can blow loan at it and... Chuck it out. One use. Is can it is it only one use or like is it reusable? I've popped holes through them. So for me, they're definitely always one use. How do you masturbate? Vigorously. <laughs> Apparently very vigorously. Well, actually, to be honest, it's about the, the lube that I use. So it comes oh. with a lube in there that you're supposed to use. Uh-huh. I prefer a coconut silicone. oil and it just rips it right through that away. bad boy each and, and I think it's it's good because it is porous. That's why it is one use because it collects bacteria Correct. pretty easily. Yeah. Right? And I think you said a really great thing that I just want to make sure we're underscoring for the duration of this episode because it seems like we're going to be talking about a few more sex toys is that the lube you use, you should make sure it's compatible with your sex toy. Don't use silicone on silicone or coconut oil on anything. I'm a big coconut oil fan. But like, so what is it, what can you not use coconut oil on? Um, anything that oil is going to erode at. Oh. And so, you can't always tell. So you can't really use coconut oil on a toy. I mean, I Best use coconut to avoid. oil on everything. I don't personally care. Is that why your hair's so glossy? Yes, thank you. My skin's always dewy. Oh. But uh, <laughs> FYI, you can also recycle. How you want to navigate this in your recycling bin is a personal choice, but you can recycle these bad boys. I love that. Boop. I want my person who's doing my recycling to know that I have a bunch of Tanga eggs. <laughs> Are you not the person who does your own recycling? No, like oh, I, who whoever through goes through the recycling. Or at work. Yeah. At work, yeah. Yeah, I just reported my building because we don't have recycling, so You don't? No, I was shocked. Multi-unit, nine units. In L.A. in 2018, there's no recycling. I just did an anonymous tip to L.A. sanitation. Not gentrified. Okay, what else is in the box? Okay, the other other one that I'm a big fan of is, if it's more of a, it's more of a generalized sleeve, but again, it's not large and bulky like some sleeves are. Um, It's smaller, it's pre-lubed on the inside, easily usable. Single use? And is that a single use This is, well- Technically, it would this be because like it doesn't. This one's like a bigger, a larger red. Yeah, and it's thing. not. It's you can't open that up and clean that. So that would be technically that would be a one use unless you know. Oh, but this is the <laughs> ultimate suction experience. It has vacuum in here. Yeah. See, a lot of Tango's toys have either a finger hole in the end of it that you can put your finger over for more suction, or they have. It's really hard to explain, but the Tango Flip is one of my favorites. It's not in the box. It's a large white one, and you grip the sides at different points along it, and that will create more or less suction. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? That, uh, oh, suction, I didn't know about that. I've never used one so of these. So you can, like, control the tightness Correct. of the grip. Look at how beautiful that is. I don't know how to explain that. That is really pretty. It, it looks like a helix. Yes, it, it does. It looks like a white helix. 
sculpted ecstasy. It's called the spiral. Do you put a dick inside there or do you put that in your butthole? Uh, you put a penis in there. That's a sleeve as well. And it, they're all sleeves. Yeah. Ooh. Someone also said if you are a vulva owner um, that you can flip it inside out and put it on like dildo toys. Oh, fuck yeah. yeah. That sounds cool. Right? So yes. FYI, listeners, in case you're wondering why we're talking about all these amazing things, it's not to make you jealous. You can win these. So that's just Ooh. an important thing. We're giving them away to some of our fun listeners. Yeah, we'll figure out what that's going to look like, but we'll keep you posted. But here, And lastly, and then we can move on, the Aroha, this is the female, one of the, I'm sorry, one of the vagina-driven toys. And if you look at it, you would never know. It what looks like a do? leaf petal. I of. think it looks like a little bit like a chick, like a baby chick. Huh. <laughs> right? That is, so they're not, they're not very it is it Does it vibrate? Yeah. yeah. May I look, please? <clears throat> yeah, and that's what I love about them. <laughs> this they're one not, maybe they're not we're not going to give they're away. Not, <laughs> this one might be That one's be going for, home with mama. This is, yeah, this is for <laughs> Simone. Redefining pleasure. I like it. It's cool. Yeah, they're a great company. I've been working with them for three years. So what's the social justice component that <clears throat> you think they do that, that you enjoy? Their mission isn't product sales. Okay. Their mission is centered around changing and elevating the conversation. So all the work I do with them isn't about pushing product. And I like that because I that's just not my personal mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and After we he, just talked about all the products. Well, because I think it's important. I mean, my, my whole <laughs> yeah. thing is that a lot of us don't take sex seriously or legitimize it. And the Mm -hmm. purchasing of a sex toy is a sign that like my personal pleasure is meaningful and important and I'm going to put money and time and invest in it. Yeah. And penis owners tend to be very lazy and it's problematic because they think that sex is about getting to this goal of just quickly getting off as fast and simple as possible. Inside of someone that you like convince. Well, when they masturbate though, and then that gets translated over to a partner, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so it's problematic. And so the sex toy- How do you think that affects the way people have sex? Well, I think think we get so habit- driven and patterned that the way we are with partners and the way we masturbate often coincide and mirror For each other. sure. So then it's like we feel like we can't come unless we're doing it a certain way. Uh, that and also we just really see sex as something that has a goal, orgasm, and we should really just Pleasure-oriented, not goal-oriented. Yeah, and so sex toys, I think, tend to have the capacity to like back us off a little bit. Um, see it as pleasure-oriented. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of Tanga's mission, and that's whenever I do PR for them or lecture for them or do an event, I always try to kind of drive that part home, mm-hmm. you know? Um, can you masturbate too much? I love that question. And and I actually just had a couple of big debates about this. Um, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, you know, the definition that people would give sometimes to push back on that is, well, as long as it's not interfering with important aspects of your life, like work and your relationship, and I always say it depends. Um, if you're not productivity you know, capitalistly driven, mm-hmm. well, then you don't prioritize productivity and income over all else, and then it wouldn't be a problem. Like, we're a culture that really doesn't value leisure and pleasure, and we think that those, don't, those aren't meaningful attributes. And we, you know, if someone says, like, I worked 80 hours this week, we're like, wow, that's great, you're a hard worker. Really? That's and if actually you're like, oh, I jerked shitty. off eight times. But I think what you've said in, in a talk that I really liked is we have totally normalized binging things like Netflix, yep. where we'll literally, and I don't want to speak for everyone, but I will literally watch, like, eight hours of a show that I want to, like, finish. Uh-huh. But then if you're and doing that. And everyone understands that. Yeah, if and you it's say like, that, oh, I like, binged oh, on Saturday How great. You took yeah. care of yourself. So relaxing. Right. But if you had like the Aroha from you're Tanga like, and you're like, I masturbated for eight hours, they're like, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. Right? Why is this? It's always that special case. Well, it's a thousand things, right? Like our, our, our culture is very um, capitalist driven. So everything has to have uh, an outcome. And the outcome has to be about accumulation of goods and mm-hmm. finance. 
Uh, we're also pleasure and leisure phobic. We're also afraid of the body. Everything in our culture is disembodied. Yeah. Everything. Even people that are practicing body-based modalities like mindfulness and meditation, yoga, it's disembodied versions of that. You're mm -hmm. so trapped in your head. It's never about what you feel in your body. It's about doing the pose correctly. Mm. And someone's coming over and adjusting your body. That's disembodied. It's about a goal. It's about something being right. It's not how does that feel. Right. And so they're developing things to push back on that, like trauma-aware yoga, which is like, I don't care how you do the pose. How does that feel in your body? Where do you feel it? Right. And in a disembodied culture that's all trapped in our head, we then meditate and stay in our head. And it's about what are you thinking? It's not what are you feeling in your body? So now we're working on body meditation. And <clears throat> so the Sexual Health Alliance, an amazing organization, is um, you know certifying sex therapists. And we're going to be putting together in LA a training in somatics, which is going to be one of the first programs. Um, about getting in your body. Yes. And through sex. Because yeah. I think the best way, obviously, to get into your body in the sexual space is obviously masturbation. Sometimes in some ways, because sometimes masturbation is also you're in your head. totally in your head. Whoa. If you're if you're watching master if you're watching porn or you're in fantasy, you are out of your body. Period. I totally also, okay. So what body. do you say to that? Sometimes this hasn't happened recently, but and definitely, I'm pro porn. FYI, I, I'm yeah, I sure. want to talk Just about how we out. how we have the difference but, between okay, when it's good to be in your head or not. Okay, but like, what about when you can masturbate and you're like totally doing something else at the same time? Give me an example. Like for example, <laughs> driving. You like, you're making fajitas and you're like, also talking masturbating. Talking on the phone with someone, like having a totally normal wait, conversation. Wait, wait, wait. Is this a real thing? <laughs> yeah. like, this is real. This is not hypothetical. We're not talking about a friend. I was on the phone with someone. This was maybe like two years ago. I was on the phone with like a dear friend of mine, like having a totally non-sexual conversation. <laughs> All of a sudden, I realized. I'm diddling myself. But and was it to get off or were you just kind of like cupping? I was touching myself and then I was like, wait, I could come. And I just kind of kept talking and like made myself come and they were like two totally separate things in sure. my brain. Or even sometimes I'll be watching something on know? TV. I think I told them later. You I, was like, like, I was like, by the way, it's like when you find happened. out someone was going to the bathroom while you're talking to them. <laughs> like, it really doesn't matter, but you're still kind of like, I don't uh, know how I feel about that. But like, I don't know. <laughs> don't is it, is it consensual that. to masturbate unknowingly on the phone? Okay, no, I a better example. A, a better topic. example is be like, I'll, <laughs> if I were like watching the news or something and just am masturbating. Not that I'm masturbating but to I would call, the news. I would call that more, but they're just separate. I'd call that more just self-soothing and anxiety reduction. Kind of like I'm constantly playing with my fingers or like rubbing my. Oh, hair. I was just rubbing my. Yeah, my, my and hands. so it's more self-soothing. Honestly, it's on the I continuum. Cup, I cup my vulva all the time. Oh, like, it's yeah. just warm. I just like cup it. That's good. Because usually we avoid those areas. We're so both cupping our vulvas. <laughs> We're both I, holding our vulvas. I love presently. that though. I mean, I, I try to. That's kind of the work. I mean, some of the work in all that we're talking about is about allowing yourself to acknowledge the existence of your genitals. And instead of shaming them, which we do, include them and incorporate them. And so yeah. I actually like the idea of someone like holding themselves because it's soothing or feels good while they're ordering coffee or on the phone. Like It shouldn't be weird. It shouldn't be weird, but it is. And what's so fascinating is, again, not to get on this topic, we can move off it, but <clears throat> disembodiment, massage. It inherently avoids certain parts, which covertly say those are bad, those are dangerous. And so massage is dangerous. I tell people, if you're going to get a massage, get an erotic massage. Your entire body should be touched and recognized as legitimate. And where can, especially female-bodied people, get erotic massages? I don't know. Go online. I don't know. I mean, that's, <laughs> there's a there website. Needs to be there's more. a website. There's a website. It's something like erotic masseuse. It's like rub, rub maps. Rub maps. But I that's think. mostly for like the. The hand job at the end, happy ending, and I mean, how embodied are those? Actually, you know how I, you know how <laughs> you could true. get, you know, you could get a full body massage. You could see a sexological body worker, and that's what it totally. is. Totally, and that's what it is. And and like some of this is born out of. I just came back from Canada from a sexological body work training, <laughs> and. Sorry. 
What are you laughing at? Because of the eagle? He told me some some stories about some experiences there in confidence. In confidence? Yeah, just what about me, Dr. Donahue? You know, it's just, it's just, you know, having been trained as a therapist, um, and having had it ingrained in me so deeply culturally as well, you're forced, understandably, to encounter some things you have it, like group masturbation. And that's overwhelming for a group lot of people. Group masturbation is amazing. I, I, you find it very I, overwhelming? I don't enjoy it. You don't enjoy it? I don't enjoy it. Um, I like group sex. Uh-huh. Uh, but group masturbation that's actually done in an educational way, for me, is problematic because it derails eroticism in a way I don't want it to. Absolutely. I don't ever want... And we talked about this last time I saw you. Yeah. I don't ever want nudity to be non-sexual. Yeah. I think that's taking away the power. And I don't think it needs to be. I don't see the value in saying it, it's a naked body, it's not erotic. No, it is, and it can be, and it can still be shown, do and it can feel, still have boundaries. Do you feel constantly eroticized? Ethics. By myself to myself? No, do you feel constantly eroticized by other people? <clears throat> constantly? Yeah. No, I wish I got it more. So as someone who does often that. feel... Constantly eroticized sure. by others, by others, yep. so not consensually. It can be quite relieving to be non sexually nude. I could see that. So I, I totally that. get what you're saying, and I can I agree <clears throat> with with where you're coming from. So it's coming from. But my I think male the counterpoint is like I love being able to show my tits and yeah. it not be sexy and not feel like unsafe. that's really important to me. I think it's hard because where's the line? Mm-hmm. Like. I, I like the idea of someone who's constantly sexualized, and as a male, I'm not as much, but right. I am. Because um, you're very sexy. <clears throat> Thank trying you. to help out. Yeah, you. you look great in that muscle too. Yeah, you. it's pretty rad. <laughs> so, but I could see where there's experiences and moments and spaces where you want the non-erotic nudity, but then I also would think that you wouldn't ever want it to be consistently that way or fully that because there's times where you want to utilize nudity as a as erotic as erotic mm-hmm. as a way to amp up arousal. And I think it can get confusing. And that's why when I'm dating someone, I don't want them walking around naked in front of me because I don't want to kill what is a gift and an asset part of our sex life. I don't want to get wow. numbed out from seeing your body. Like, I, I completely get what you're saying. But to me, to me, like, nudity as sexual is much more of a of a choice. Like, I can be like, no. I think sometimes the, I think, sometimes I think I'm the, like, oh, I see those Vs. And I'm like, Rah. But I think the fact of the matter is we can't control how other people respond to our body. Yes. We... It would be good if they obviously were consensual and controlled how they responded and the boundaries with the, which with which they interacted. But like, you can't tell somebody how to feel. And so, if you see a naked person and you have an immediate erotic response, I think it's okay to learn how to interact with that body potentially non-erotically and, have and, and to. consensually. You have to. We need to, right? Right. But you can still have the thought in your head of like, that's erotic to me, and keep it to yourself or. Right, you and know, like, right. Notice how it makes you feel in your body. That's being embodied. Right, because there's also, huh. it also moves into what is, and it, sh- and it seems so clear to me, but it's not for a lot of people. What is the distinction between noticing someone being attractive, letting someone notice that you notice them being attractive, flirting and courting, and then moving into completely problematic, assaultive, inappropriate behavior? What do you think the difference is? <clears throat> we, had, we actually had an email with a, um, a listener asking us, like, how do we, I think the general question was like, how do we interact with people? <laughs> I can see where some people think that that's where we're at. Yeah. Like they don't feel safe interacting with people anymore. 
But again, you know, I think that question, and I say this lovingly because I don't know who wrote it, but I think if someone really has that question, they shouldn't be interacting with people. That, exactly. Because if you literally don't understand how to express interest. I think the person was asking interest, the question more like, I think everybody should correct, know this. Correct, Not like, how do correct, I do it? Correct. Yeah, just in case you're listening. Correct. But I do hear some male-identified people say, oh, I don't even think I can hit on anyone right. anymore. So and I'm like, oh shit, if you think that, don't. Yeah. Because right. I feel okay hitting on men and women because I, I can read body language. I have empathy. Right. These exactly. things called like mirror neurons. I have an awareness of others. I consider impact and intent. Like you can notice someone's tone of voice. You know that totally. Signs no, thank you, and not said. right now. Yeah. yeah. So I don't think we need to have that conversation. But if someone does, that's a red flag that you definitely should because you do. I think but. more my issue. What I was bringing up about the the non consensually eroticized isn't even about like flirting mm-hmm. or um, or being told that I'm attractive. It stems from like like. Instances of when I was much younger, but already like had breasts Sexualized. when I was when I was twelve years old, and like was followed down the street by men asking my bra size because I was a C cup in seventh grade. Like that's really yeah. heavy shit, right? And so it as someone who has like nice tits, but like Truth. with that comes like people always see your tits and always sexualize you. So especially in like women only spaces, women with an X spaces, like I feel that it's really nice. I know it's not necessarily non-sexual because like but a lot I think of us are attracted there to each been other a, too. But there would have been a difference if someone had looked at you and noticed and kept walking versus following you. Yes. Yeah. Obviously there's a big difference between that and asking your bra size. And I think that's what I hear. Most people that are upset about being eroticized when they didn't want to be, it's what you just said. It's not that it occurred, it's how it occurred mm-hmm. and whether or not someone and what they honored did with that someone's feeling. Yeah. Know, but even so, like when I'm thinking about like jobs or career, like if I'm meeting somebody who's in a position of power who is helping me in my yeah. career and I know that they also think I'm sexually attractive, it's impossible to not wonder if the reason they're helping me is because they find me sexually attractive. And most likely that's in there. And but sometimes and, and, and that's we, painful. That's really but painful yet, and invalidating. But yet, but yet having eyeballs and this this unconscious system of arousal, we have to learn to work with that. Yeah. That's I guess just, I'm just an idealist and you're being realistic, which makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> but I think sometimes we also use that sexualization to our advantage, right? In what way? Like I'm not going to lie that I haven't used my sexuality to get things that I wanted. Oh. Uh, why do you think I wear skin tight shirts that show off my biceps and yeah, tattoos? Yeah, working. Erotic capital. Oh, for oh, Erotic for sure. Erotic capital. Oh yeah, I utilize the hell out of mine. Oh, of course, and I tell people to. Speaking yeah. about erotic capital, um, at the time of recording, we had just had International Horrors Day, which was on June second. Correct. AKA my birthday. Saturday. Um, Happy birthday. Th- thank you. Um, and I would love to hear about um your experiences because both Simone and I were sadly out of town. <sighs> yeah. <clears throat> um, we were really bummed to miss it. It was it was a lot of a lot of a lot of <laughs> a lot of a lot of. I got I got contacted by the organizers and they said we would love to have you speak. You know we uh, we think you're an advocate for sex workers and, um, and do, I was like, do you consider yourself a sex worker? Uh, no, I, I think I'm like sex worker adjacent. That's exactly That's what how we, we describe ourselves. But I would never, I would never claim that identity because I don't have to deal with the stigma socially. Although, exactly. although we have se- some stigma in our therapy world, totally, but not at that totally. kind of. There, we can mo- open bank accounts. Totally, yeah. And there are moments where when I when I'm getting hit on by someone, they're like, "Oh, what kind of work do you do?" I've seen myself just say like psychology, and I'm like, "Wow." 
I, I myself just had anxiety about using the word sex therapy and wondering like what they're going to think. So mm. knowing that, and even knowing when I've said that, people's response like, what are you, sex obsessed? I can I can only slightly imagine what it's like for someone who's like, I'm a sex worker. Mm-hmm. So anyway, long story short, they contact me and they're like, would you come speak? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. I, I was totally stoked. I'm always complimented when I'm welcome into a world, even though it's a world that I've been a part of because I've dated a multitude of sex workers. Um, and uh, my best friend is a sex worker. I'm a few of my best friends. So anyway, long story short, um, day before they contact me and they're like, hey, listen, um, APACT was helping them put it on the Adult Performance Advocacy Committee. And they're mm-hmm. like, we think it might be better if all the people speaking are sex workers themselves. And I was like, totally get it. Makes sense. Totally get it. Totally respect that. Um, however, I, I, I still think it might be good to bring in adjunctive people to kind of round it out on the outskirts of that. And But, but I get it, totally. So I'm super stoked. I'm really excited to go. So you weren't going to speak then at this Correct. point. Correct. So I'm just going to go to and support. show your allyship. Totally, because I know that I have a platform. I and and I yeah. and I like to advocate and hold space. And if anyone knows my work in my in my book, I, I support sex work on my platforms and my articles. Bam. So I and show it is up, really important for allies to show up to this sort of thing. I think. Right, and and what was disheartening is the lack of people that showed up. <sighs> Not that there weren't a number of people, but. And we'll kind of get to this point in a minute. And this was just the LA one. I don't know how it was in other Correct. places. But. Correct. So I roll in with my friend who's willing to go with me. Um, is your friend a sex worker? <clears throat> he's not. Okay. And he had broken his ankle and he was in a boot. And he was like, I'm not going to be able to march. Is it cool if we go to the rally, represent, take some pictures? Because again, to post those pictures on my social media is holding space and supporting the work, mm-hmm. right? So that's why I do it. I, I gain nothing out of posting a picture of me at the sex workers march, right? So we get there. <laughs> I'm building up to something. And I see Jessica Drake, awesome. Connor Habib, awesome. They're both speaking. So I sit my friend down on this like water fountain thing because his ankle is broken and he's in a boot and he's in pain. And I'm just thankful he came with me. Water. And I'm Where are you from? Water. Water. Water fountain. Sorry, proceed. I'm in the middle of telling a very important story. <laughs> Sorry, some anyway, water this is all very, This is a very Someone long really story likes for linguistics and semant- you know, semantics. I like look, So I long story short, <clears throat> First girl gets up there and she gives this amazing speech. <laughs> and at the end of it, she climbs down. And I thought I heard someone go, where's Amber Rose? On the microphone, I turned to my friend Ron. I was like, did, did and I, before I can even get it out, I hear the girl who just spoke with the microphone still going, and where, where's, where's people like Amber Rose? And I was like, fuck that shit. I climb up on the water fountain. I start shouting back like, uh, we're not here for that. Like, you're calling out Amber who does stuff for the, for, who does stuff for the industry? Like, I don't even remember what I was saying. I was so pissed. Because what made you pissed about that? Um, a few things. One, this is supposed to be a day of inclusivity. And I don't think it's, a, it's fair to be calling out people who aren't there when you don't even know why they're not there. Two, there's hundreds of people that are in the industry that live blocks from the event in Hollywood that mm-hmm. couldn't give a shit to show up. Right. And you're calling out Amber. Well, I... Who's not accessible. The poor thing's at home dealing with some personal stuff, and that's right. why she's not there. But I have heard from the sex worker community yes. that they find that Amber is is one of the most um, normalized famous sex workers <clears throat> out sure. there. Captain Save-A-Ho, whatever. I wouldn't, call it, I wouldn't call it normalized, though. She gets such an extreme level of pushback. Absolutely, absolutely. But okay. I would say she's one of the most visible sex workers Correct. out there. That's not mm-hmm. a porn performer. Here's the question, though. One second, one second. Yes. And um, she remained silent about FOSTA and SESTA. Okay. So and that's people are very upsetting. frustrated about that, so that may have been what that comment but was about. S- not that she has any obligation to, but Correct. that is the frustration that I believe the sex worker community is feeling. And that's valid, right? 
there's a couple, the only, the, you know, the way I would unpack that um, is that number one, she doesn't identify anymore as a sex worker. So for her, that was a part of her life and she's now a businesswoman and a mother mm-hmm. and she fights for these causes. You can't force someone to identify something they don't. She doesn't. But she does still. She, she She's an ex-stripper and she's a happy slut and she supports okay. that, but she wouldn't say she's a sex worker and mm-hmm. probably wouldn't claim that she had been. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. And, and number two, um, she doesn't know what Foster or Sesta is. I say that lovingly. Not everyone keeps up with the news. Right. She has no idea what that is. And it doesn't impact her because she's not a sex worker anymore. Sure, and doesn't know what that is because she doesn't follow everything politically. And well, I think so, so. Something we talked about earlier on, on our live show was that for many sex workers, um, it becomes maybe a part of their life forever. Yep. Like they can't get rid of that. And so I wonder if there's just some, some struggle with privilege that potentially Amber Rose has totally. been able to... Um, She's almost been able to step away, to from, step away from some of the stigma. And do other things. For and sure. many people feel pigeonholed maybe in sex work. Yeah. And that's not necessarily their fault. That's our culture's fault <laughs> for having shame yeah. and stigma against sex workers. But. And, you know, she she dedicates herself every year to putting on the slot walk, which somehow got, like, thrown under the bus as though it's some moneymaker. She loses money in that. And I said that, and they were laughing at that. And I'm like, fuck you. Oh, she, so this turned into a bigger escalation than just, did. like, one it shout back. It spewed on a social media for a few days. Oh. And I wound up getting tagged. And then people were on my page calling me out for not participating in the walk. Well, we left the walk because my friend had a broken ankle. And because when you start calling people out, you've created an unsafe environment, and I'm out. I'm out. Right. You make it unsafe, I'm out. So they were pissed that I posted the picture mm. saying I was there for the PR attention. No, I wasn't. I didn't get any PR attention. I probably lost some gigs because of my time being there. Mm. Like that didn't generate anything positive for me. I was doing it because I care. So it just was like a really hard day. It rolled on for a few days after I was getting tagged in things. I was attacked on my page. So I was deleting some of the comments. Then people were pissed that I'm deleting them. Yeah, I'll delete what I want on my page. It's my page. It's how not you, democracy. It's my page. I would love how you two share about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> and don't name call. I when you start name time. calling, I block you because I don't name call. Don't come at me. I've name heard. Calling. I've heard different responses to deleting things on social media. Some people are like, "No, why would you delete that? You don't want to have a conversation." Right. And other people are like, "It's okay to block and delete people or things that are negatively affecting your." Mental health. I'm all you know, about to, like like you've said before. Don't follow fit inspiration <sighs> things if that's totally. body negative for you. That's I'm all point. about leaving conversations going. It's not about how do I look or sound, but when you get aggressive or attack or name call, I'm blocking you and deleting you because mm-hmm. I won't stand for that. I don't mm-hmm. support that. Right. But if you read some of the conversations there, it was me and people engaging and us talking it out. People can disagree without totally. name calling. I think. Totally. America in general needs a reminder of that. Yeah. It's so funny how how that shit escalates. I don't know if you if you ever like read YouTube comments, but things get crazy. I mean, any kind of comment. It'll well, it's easy to say whatever you want behind a right, screen. Right, but someone will be like, oh, you know, this joke wasn't funny to me. And someone will be like, well, get a fucking life, you dumb cunt. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like... <laughs> From zero to 100 that quickly. It's I know. Like, I know. It's just I, and it's I, like not funny, but it's crazy how well, it goes Well, especially there. around things that are like politically triggering and sex tends to be one of those things. So I've gone on my, I, I don't often read the comments on my Facebook page for some reason, my public figure Facebook page. But then every now and then I'll go through and I'm like, whoa. People, someone typed this out, thought this yes. and hit enter and has not deleted it. Yes. And the escalation. And the violence that comes in it's over, so like, you know, a discussion about something so stupid. Masturbation, not even stupid, just like nice. Like, masturbation is good for you. Yeah. So, what advice would you give people who are maybe trying to be advocates to a community that might not maybe want you there? Uh, don't, don't be there. 
I would start with that. If someone doesn't want you to be, to be there, don't be there. Yeah. Um, advocate from afar in other ways. You know, <clears throat> there's there's micro levels of interactions and conversations you're involved in. Shut down, shaming. Have right? you watched the new season of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? No. Um, I so- can't stand that. I don't think it's <laughs> okay, funny I'm not, not going to make you so, watch it, but there's so one, there's one episode. Ellie Kemper is not unlikable, though. You can't not like Ellie Kemper. Who's that? The girl. Oh, Kimmy. Oh. I like the blonde She's like adorable. Girl. What's the blonde hair? Jane Chris Galvin. She's great. She's, well, no, so there's one, there's one episode um, that Kimmy goes into. Um, she, she's like basically wants to do more social justice helping things, and now she's realizing that she's being seen as this privileged white woman. And so she goes into this nail salon, and she sees that— um, you know, they have name tags that aren't their real names and she, like, wants to help. It's this, like, very much play on society. And so she does what she thinks would be helpful to the almost trafficked people who are yeah. working there. And they're like, whatever you need to, like, do to feel good about yourself. They're, like, mad that she's there helping. And so as a privileged white person myself, um, I wonder... Ask. You yeah, ask. sometimes how to be an you, ally you in spaces. That, I love that question. Like, how can I be an ally here? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and she's the the sex worker example. They they said, Will you come as an ally? We're inviting you in to speak. And so that was what I was, you know, doing, right? Like ask. Because right now gay pride is this weekend. And there's a lot of articles that are saying, Hey, straights, if you're gonna come to gay pride or gay bars, we'll tell you how to enter because mm-hmm. it's a safe space for us. It's not about you, it's not for you. Yeah. It's not Disneyland. Don't pose and take pictures with us. Mm-hmm. Um we're inviting you in. And some people don't want straight people in gay spaces because they're yeah. like, I have to encounter you at Starbucks and a supermarket. Mm-hmm. The whole world is heterocentric. Please so don't for, bring your hetero identity to Horror's this one For weekend, they had some events that were sex workers only. Totally. And mm-hmm. and it should be. And mm-hmm. I get that. And I respect that. And yeah. and and that's, I was uh, speaking on a panel at the Pleasure Chest and <clears throat> a heterosexual identified guy stood up and said, that kind of question where he said, you know, how can I be more of a gay ally? I sometimes feel like I go to gay bars to support and people don't want me there. And I said, well, then don't be there. There are mm. some people that are re-traumatized by seeing a heterosexual man in a gay space if, they're, if they've been terrorized by someone hetero or they don't feel safe around heteros. A gay bar is supposed to be a space where they don't have to encounter that. Yeah. Which is why I, I am careful about how I enter like lesbian bars or spaces. I have some lesbian friends will ask me to go and then I'll go. But I wouldn't walk around and be like, accept me. I'm allowed to be here because or, some of them are triggered like by seeing a, a man. take up a lot of space totally. even. Like, yeah. And I take up a lot of space. Like I right. don't stop talking. I mean, those always, biceps. Like, like- yeah, so you got to be aware of it. But like, yeah, you, you have to be aware of this stuff. But it, you know, you can't, there's no perfection is what it comes down to. So what were your takeaways from this experience? Yeah, I'm still I'm still I'm still processing that, you know, because because everyone has a different opinion, um but I am realizing that it has to in the end somewhere land on what do they want me to do? What do they need from me and I need to kind of let them lead that. Because mm-hmm. I'm used to as an expert, quote unquote, right. walking in thinking I know what everyone needs. Yeah. I've been trained to believe that and I've been trained as a man to believe that as well, Yeah, right? So, yeah, that. It's very heartening to hear that to because as someone who also can be like quite a solutionizer and like, I yeah. know what you need. I can help. I got you. I'm I'm Kimmy Schmidt, right? And so... <laughs> and now Chris is like, I hate you. Yeah, I'm <laughs> The bigger tits. Um, but uh, it, it, it's, it's so important, especially in this wonderful moment where it seems like marginalized and stigmatized and ostracized communities are really getting to stake their claim and raise their voice yep. to let... To, not only to like let them, it's because that's like I'm giving permission, but it's like they are in charge, acknowledge that, and follow where you see you can fit. 
And how much do we, because your experience, I don't want to say what your experience was like for you, obviously, but it sounds familiar to me in how like cis, hetero, white men, but men in general are responding to some of the angry um, feminism, like Me Too stuff in like, at what point do we just have to be okay holding space for anger coming from stigmatized people? And, 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 to, and to speak to that, I saw an amazing tweet that said, because there's a lot of people that are saying like, all men are trash. There's this whole men are trash thing. And yeah, someone nailed it. We've talked about that before. Okay. Yeah. She nailed it and said, the men that aren't trash know we're not talking about them when we say all men are trash. And they're just sitting there nodding along saying, I get it, be pissed. Oh, and I think that was beautiful. Like, like, I know I'm not trash. When someone's like, all men are trash, I'm like, fuck yeah, they are. Because exactly. I get where it's coming That's from. That's how I feel. But I wonder, like, don't mean every suck. single. Yeah, yeah it's like, totally. yeah. They do. White we people do. Suck. We yeah. do. And and even as someone who, but I wonder if that was coming into play at this event the other day. When I mean, they, it sounds like they sure. named an individual for person, sure. but feeling like people have turned their backs on us. Well, yeah. Angry. I mean, here I am. I mm. roll in, white dude who's a sex therapist, but Has a doesn't matter. Yeah, and and blah blah blah. And I walk out before the actual march and don't participate in that. But yet I'm posting pictures of having been there. I could see where some people are like, are you serious? What did yeah. you show up in Disneyland, take some pictures of the Magic Kingdom yeah. and then bounce out after you ate yeah. your hot dog? Mm. And it was yeah. like, no, well, street dogs. <laughs> ask more questions because there were underlying things like my friend physically couldn't walk <laughs> and, and it got aggressive and it felt unsafe. Um, but I could see where people would say that. Mm. And people were questioning my um, allyship and were calling it fake. And that was hurtful because I've, for 15 years, been an advocate for that community. Mm. And so that's fair to call it out. Um, you know, yeah. I'm yeah. deeply embedded in it because of the people I date and I'm friends with. Yeah. And so I care about the cause and I'll continue to. It was just a really hard day on, on a lot of levels. I could see how that'd be know? challenging. Thanks for being willing to share. I mean, I think something that Simone brought up earlier that I have a question about is, as someone else who's in the mental health field, you seem to be pretty open about your own experiences mm-hmm. and desires and things. Like how have Sexually? you- Yeah, all the above. Right. Um, and what? how have you decided like what boundaries feel comfortable mm. for you? Because we talk about that a lot on the podcast. Because I like- I, I limit about, myself yeah, for sure. Yeah, I like talk about a fuck ton of shit. Because I know that clients, my clients are listening. Sure. And mine, and mine definitely do. A lot of my clients yeah. find me through having been a fan of a show I've done or a podcast right. or having read my book, which well, maybe makes what's it What's the difference easier? between modeling <clears throat> how we- you know, modeling being authentic versus like letting our clients mm. know too much and having that, it be about us. And that is the tension. And and it's so hard to unpack it. So in my book, Sex Outside the Lines, um, <laughs> I, t- I talk about that. And I say like, if a client sees me on a sex look, searching app, I guess that's what you call it, will they, will in their mind, will that invalidate my expert role or the role they need to play, blah, blah. And so for me, I had to pick a theory. I think like for these kinds of things, you have to have a working theory and you kind of use that as the compass. Mm-hmm. And mine mine was, I'm going to be as radically authentic as I'm comfortable and I'm going to hope that that can be an intervention and me modeling what I'm trying to do with them. Mm-hmm. Because when we're talking about sex, we're living in a sex-phobic culture. And I think if I don't, who will? But I also recognize there's downsides to that theory, but that's my theory. Like when in doubt, I lean towards authenticity. I don't wear long sleeve dress shirts in my office. You'll see my tattoos because I'm not going to hide those as well. Mm. Um, but I, but again, some people said, well, that's great, but your privilege allows that. Like you're like a white cis dude, so you can get away with that where maybe another minority couldn't, of course. And that's why it's more important that I do that. But yeah, you need a theory. I mean, there's some therapists that won't show their face on Tinder. 
Mm-hmm. They're right. not comfortable acknowledging that I'm a single person in the world and want to date. Mm-hmm. That blows my mind because yeah. that's a lot of shame. But it's pretty old school therapy. And I think a lot of the sure. older supervisors and things would say that it's not, you know, that you're supposed to stay very private. Yeah. And like limit your life. But so are you allowed? Okay. So obviously being on a sex searching app, which I'm assuming is like the Tinders and the Grinders and the. Sure. Scruffs and, and the feels I, and I also of the just, world. And also just called out. I just was engaged to a, a famous porn performer. Uh-huh. And I publicly would post pictures of us together. Uh-huh. That's kind of so clients were able like to masturbate. Your relationship too. Yeah, clients oh, were able clients to like masturbate, masturbate to your partner. partner. Or watch my partner. Because oh. he, it was a he, made sex films. Right. It was a he. So <laughs> that's real. The partner was a he. Yeah, that is real. But do you talk about your personal sex life on podcasts and Loveline? Because that's I think what Yeah. Deeply, yeah, deeply, and and you know I laugh because <clears throat> because I worked with a celebrity and we had an iconic show, Love Line, twenty five years. The press would track what we'd say, and major outlets would pick up quotes of ours. And oh, I was cracking up because one of the biggest ones that went viral was like E Entertainment and all those was me and Amber talking about how we love sniffing the underwear, the dirty underwear of our partners. And I was saying, <laughs> here's my legacy. You're gonna Google my name, and that will come up where I'm all. <laughs> Amber's like, is it weird that I sniff my boyfriend's dirty underwear? And I was like, no way. I do it all the time. I love smelling. And it went like fire. And it's like so. And I've had clients come in that are like, wow, you know, I saw you on the show. And I listened to your podcast. or I heard you say. And they're watching my Instagram stories. And it's like, so being a public figure, it helped me be more authentic. Because it already created access to me in a way that other people don't give if they're just a general therapist in their office. And then dating and being engaged to a public figure in the porn world also pulled Mm -hmm. me further out and into that. Do you have to screen your clients in a particular way? Because they might not necessarily be coming to you from an authentic client (laughs) perspective. Yes. And that's a good question. I have to do that. Yeah, how do you do that? Yeah, we had a really great conversation about some people reaching out to you. Um, I'll say this. Actually, I don't do it in an overt way. It's very covert. After I've been doing this work for over 15 years. You can pick up on stuff. Yes. I know what a standard email sounds like. I only do email. You cannot call me. I'll never be on the phone with you. And that's one of my boundaries. Because I'm a public figure, I'm not going to call back a random person I don't know, not knowing what they might want to actually do with me. Mm. So it's all email. And I know what a standard therapy outreach email reads like. And so, like you're going to acknowledge in a minute, I can call out immediately when there's something off. Like what? Like what? I don't even know how to explain it. I, I don't know what the words are. I just feel you it in just my body. Pay, you I'm like, feel, something's off. You literally feel it in your body. Yes, yes. Like, And wow. I've always been right. Yeah. Me as well. Yeah. Me as well. I mean, in the beginning, I've And the I times some, when, I, when I've had a little question and I've been like, oh, I'll give it a try. Like, I shouldn't have. Yeah. I, I, I remember early in my career when I, when I had my first TV show. This was like 2010, 2011. I had someone fly in from out of state. I have clients that fly in from out of state to work with me. Because again, it's hard to find someone who's a sex therapist or sex positive. And there's some, you know, if you're in like Hawaii, you got nobody. Yeah. So really? Yeah. So Hawaii is so chill. You'd be shocked. There's no Um, ho in Aloha. Is, why is that not a t-shirt? Please coin that. Is that, that. from something? I, no, I invented that. Can you guys, that. Can you guys sell that? Like it's a slut and scholar shirt. Put the hoe in Somebody Aloha. Somebody write this down. That is badass. There is, Simone, no, write there it is down. no hoe in Aloha. It's an O. I know. but it's That's nice. amazing. Thanks. Um, anyway, long story short, yes. I've had people come in with questionable boundaries wondering when the session's going to lead to sex or touch. And I have to take a Those are overt. Yeah. yeah. That, yes. Yes. And then there's been the covert, which I'm not going to unpack. I'm very. I, one thing I don't talk about publicly are clients or anything. For sure. Um, but I do talk excessively about my personal life. You know, when I when I did the podcast, I kind of realized I'm not going to be able to really do 
you can't do a podcast and not talk about yourself. I don't know mm-hmm. what else you're talking about. Yeah. And um, my face is going to be out there. And I made a decision to be a true activist and that meant to live as authentically as I could. And I've written that and it served me, but I'm sure it has worked against me drastically. Mm. I am not asked to In participate. Because we talk about that. I won't even stigmas. always know, but I just know from going on like the doctors, it's a daytime TV show. There was times when it was a little iffy because middle America wasn't ready for my message. Yeah. And I, I'm not even aware of some of the things that I probably got passed up on because like, oh, you want- Because they didn't contact you. Yeah, exactly. Oh, the sex, the sex doctor? Yeah. yeah. And then when they look into my work and they're seeing what I'm talking about, clients, you know, my on my website are a lot of the articles I write. I do a weekly column and they're real body and sex positive and radical and the clients had to have read them sometimes and been like, whoa. But then the right people find you, the ones that really want liberation, true authenticity, want true sexual health. They don't want to get trapped in gender and body shame, which the field of psychology is bullshit. When you graduate with your master's or PhD, you have a lot of unlearning to do. Hmm. It is sex phobic. It's body phobic. It's pathologizing. And so, yeah, it's like you have to get that and then do kind of your own learning. And that's what mm-hmm. we're doing with the sexual health alliance. Which is why it's so valuable. Oh, yeah. I love this. But people don't realize that. You know, the sexual health alliance isn't just secondary, supplemental, complemental education. It's actually important primary learning. Right. That you will not get because in school, well, no you, one in our country. Gets it's it. like how like Pam Sandwichson does the sex ed for grown ass people. Yeah, it's kind of the same thing. It's the it, it's a woman. She's amazing guest on this podcast. Yeah. Um, who who does sex ed for adults? Like all the things that you should they know, don't know but adults. you just don't know. And it yeah. seems like you're kind of doing the same thing for a, in a more focused well, way. And, you know, school academically teaches you nothing, and what they do teach you if you have a sex excuse me, human sexuality class, you never get a sex therapy class. You maybe get a human sexuality class and it's what, anatomy? Yeah, it's not a lot. And they talk about like, wow. there's this thing called it's, trans. What is it, eight, eight hours And you're like, total? what? Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Everything's very uh, tokenized. So what, is there an academic endeavor? Is there a way to shift the accreditation? Yes, the or? sexual health alliance. <laughs> okay, so come that's what it is. Get, yes. Come get trained through us. We're providing Our next the missing pieces. lecture that we're putting together now will be probably end of September. Yeah. Yeah, but you can also come meet the crew at So You Think You Can Fuck. Yes. On June 27th. Yeah, you know, make sure you remind me. I will. Not that you won't have enough on your head that day to think of, <laughs> but remind me that you want me to be there because I, I asked some people to go and they're all about it. Yes, it's going to be so, so fun. fun. We're yeah. going to be so hosting... Normally, it's the I'm, same night as my monthly spelling bee, but that got canceled. You've already won so that I'll make twice. it. Wait, 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 wait. You can't just drop that like that. What is this? It's you a, do a it's monthly, a monthly spelling, spelling bee? bee. It's called the Slurring Bee. It's at a bar called the Virgil. It's on the last Wednesday of every month. Oh my gosh. Um, I want to do it. And you've won twice. It's the best bar activity in the world. I competed wow. seven times, and then I and I was always the runner up almost, and then I finally won. And it's the greatest. Congrats. But thankfully, I'm really grateful because Nicoletta told me the day of So You Think You Can Fuck Trivia. And I was like, that's the night of the spelling bee. And she's like, yeah, so we, she's like, you're not going to come support me. And I was like, no, I'm going to come to both. <laughs> and I was mad about that. But it's okay. Yeah, real mad. Real yeah, mad. so we're hosting, a, when I say we, I mean uh, myself, um, Sex Positive LA, uh, and then my friend um, Cam Potter, who we had on the show, who hosts uh, Sex Talk with My Mom. Um, and it's going to be oh. at Akbar um, last Wednesday of. It's always at Akbar. It's so always funny. At What's Akbar? that about? Because they're a great community That's space, cool. okay. and they're they really, really good don't charge at- people to come in and host things. You know, they, props to Akbar. Seriously, Akbar if you're in LA, go get a drink shit. there and support them because yeah. there's a lot of gay bars that are getting bought out by new owners that mm-hmm. aren't supporting the community. I'm not going to mention their names. Yeah. <laughs> but they're, yeah, it's going this is the way a community of, space. And also yeah. what I think is so great about Akbar is it's kind of like a, a queer bar and like a pretty hit space as yeah. well. So yeah, like yeah they have wise. the hipsters and the gays. So. Right. 
They have always have good music too. Because they yeah. play like the old school badass underground 80s and 90s. And that's my shit. I that's, love it. That's yeah. like a lot of shit too. Yeah, I yeah, like yeah. some of that stuff too, but I'm just musically defective. This well, was we, great. Yeah, this Obviously, our listeners want to know everything that you're up to. How can they find you on the social meds? I don't even know anymore. Um, my Instagram is at Dr. Donahue, which is hard to spell. Yeah, how do you spell And my spell Twitter's that? at Chris Donahue. It's D-O-N-A-G-H. Yeah, but if you look for Chris Donahue spelled a bajillion ways, this one will come up. And just the yeah. last question, that which can maybe filter sure. into some of the stuff you're working on. You kept saying radical yeah. a couple times. Mm. Like, How do you define radical, and what are some of the most radical things you're working on Ooh, right now? I love that question. Uh, we think you love all of our questions. questions. When radical, I really think about uh, Charlotte's Web. Why? That because she that, writes the word radical. Really? Charlotte writes the word radical. Writes the writes the word radical. You're not at the spelling bee. Sorry. Writes the word radical. <laughs> I, I have to go back now and read that because I don't know what you're talking about. I don't oh. either. I, that, that's I thought it was like surprise pig. Or I'm not even sure I've ever read that. I might never have actually read Charlotte's Web. Familiar. Well, fun fact. Well, I'll of send course you, you a know copy. that. Okay. Yeah. So I would say radical is about, for me, it, I have a very evolved definition and it's very much applicable to like the specific work I do. It's about pushing us forward and deconstructing our norms and our expectations. Um, liberalism tends to be about keeping everything in place as it is, but just changing things around, which I think is useless and bullshit because the same problems exist. Radical is about kind of burning it down and starting something new and fresh. And that's kind of what my clinical work is, is I don't operate within the norms of psychology. I kind mm -hmm. of create new ones. And so what was your question? What, where, in what way am How I doing? How are you defining Yeah, like radical? what are what some are new doing? radical things you're working on? <clears throat> well, I do a weekly sex and relationship column. I post it on my Twitter all the time, my Instagram. And that stuff is always trying to challenge and push us and forward in terms of sex and relationships. Yeah. Um, oh, man, I can't talk about it yet, but I have a couple projects coming out in the fall and winter. Mm. Just can't say anything yet, but they're going to be. But know, they're radical. radical. Yes. They're radical. They're rad. Well, the <laughs> that's all, that's tools, what you need to know. Is they're well, radical. The master's tools will never dismantle the, the master's house. Yo, amen. And that's that's the key. It's Audrey Lord. That's the key. Yeah. Well, we have loved having you. Thanks. And again, yeah, you... so grateful for joining for you joining us. <laughs> so grateful for joining. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost my words. I don't know. If you want to see what we're up to on Instagram, we're at Sluts and Scholars. On Twitter, we're at Sluts Scholars. And email us if you have any thoughts, questions, topics you'd like to us to address. Any questions maybe we can answer at slutsandscholars at gmail.com. Thanks.